G'day and welcome back to the Talking Leadership TV podcast series. My guest today is Neil Mann, who is the founder of Future Horizon. You can find out more about what Neil is doing at www.futurehorizon.digital. Neil is a seasoned digital innovation leader with more than two decades of transformation experience. Neil has been based in Singapore since 2011 and has held global senior positions with leading international companies including Gartner, Kearney, Rio Tinto, UBS and Marina Bay Sands. My discussion with Neil today focuses on the intersection of leadership and innovation. I hope you enjoy the podcast today and I'll hand over to Neil. Neil, thanks for your time, mate. Look, um, I really want to get stuck into a discussion, if we can, around leadership, innovation, and tech. And I think at f- for first principles sake and from a macro perspective, give us your definition of innovate, innovation from that, that uh, technology space, mate. Sure. And look, so I think first and foremost, it's about using technology to make things happen. So it's doing something different and it's really about the value that that technology brings. So yes, you know, there are technology innovations. So a new processor, for example, that's interesting, but what can we do with it? So it's answering that sort of, so what question. So for me, the innovation is about what do we do today and how can we make that better or something that we can't do today. And then how do we use technology and digital innovation to actually make that happen? So it's very much about an enabler. Excellent. And so in in the um, industries that you, you touch on and the leaders that you speak to, is there still a bit of a grey cloud around what innovation actually is as a, as a um, concept and then what does it mean to operationalise what innovation looks like? Is, is there a bit of a, a miscommunication or mismatch with people thinking around that? I think there is. That's definitely fair. Everybody that you speak to will recognize that innovation is a good thing, right? So, you know, we we want to innovate. We want to be like these disruptive new companies that, that are smaller and more nimble, because if we don't, then they're going to come along and, and eat our lunch. So every senior exec that you speak to will nod and say, yes, 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 innovation, good, more of that and quicker, please, which is great. That gives us something to build upon. But then we need to turn that into something practical, right? So actually transmitting that into something in actuality is not necessarily straightforward because often people in business will then look at it and say, well, the actual mechanics of that, oh, that's the technology question. And so the the bit that's missing in the middle is, you know, you've got the, the view from orbit, which is innovation good, and then right at the very sort of in the trenches, if you like, is the is the software and the hardware and everything to actually make that happen. But but in between, there's obviously quite a lot of air. And so it, it's really a case of, okay, but what do you want to do? And so typically I will go in and speak to people and say, all right, so, so from a strategic point of view, you want to be more innovative. And so what that actually means is that you need to have cultural change, right? And change is about people. So when we're speaking about technology and digital and innovation, we're, we're not actually speaking about the, the technologies in and of themselves. It's about what can they do and then how do we actually do that? So actually making that happen in practice can can be challenging and often it goes wrong and but i think there is always appetite for that and we need to get better at actually making things happen because it's it's the large scale stuff that people are saying this is where we're going but sometimes it just takes too long and therefore you lose momentum you lose credibility and it costs time and money and then sort of apathy unfortunately can sometimes kick in 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and in fact, um, you you're going to need leaders that can um engage with what innovation means from an industry perspective of what does it mean mm-hmm. uh, in their own businesses. And I'd I've often I've often wondered with innovation is that the playground? Uh, this is just me talking out loud. So if if, if I'm talking. I'm talking uh, crap. Just please correct me as we go along here. Um, I, I, I have a view that I think the innovation hubs are around those with an entrepreneurial bent that aren't necessarily in formal leadership roles versus um, organisations that have your classic leadership structures. And um, there isn't that uh, entrepreneurial bent in the business. And I'm not saying our businesses don't have this, but I get that uh, the sneaky suspicion that I've got is it that innovation is being fostered out of the entrepreneurial types. Is that fair comment or am I overreaching there? No, I think it is fair comment. Obviously, these things are, are generalizations, but there's there's definitely something to, to be said for that. And I think, as I sort of touched upon before, to, to be innovative is you really need to change culture, right? Because you need to change process. You need to change thinking more, more than anything else because – if you change somebody's thinking, you can change their actions. And so, you know, in large scale organizations, it doesn't matter what vertical we're speaking about, whether it's financial services, natural resources, logistics, whatever, you know, these companies work in a certain way, right? So they, they have processes and they have systems and they have norms and that's what people are used to. And when you come in and you do something that is innovative, you are shaking the tree. You are asking them to do something different. And we all naturally as humans feel fear change. And so one of the things that I always try and do is say, look, yes, you need to provide that sort of macro map and strategy in terms of this is where we're going. This is why we're going there. And people can nod at it and say, okay, yeah, that, that sounds good. I get it. What does it mean for this person? What does it mean for me and, and my day-to-day and, and everything else? The, the other sort of dichotomy that large-scale organizations have is that they, as you say, you know, they want to be innovative. So that means having that sort of, in, in, sorry, that uh, entrepreneurial mindset. But that's very, very different from how people in normal organizations think and so how they do things as well so so that they that often sort of rubs against one another right so let's say from a procurement perspective in a, a sort of standards it department or something like that you want to go out and get a vendor in right so you have to do this and then you have to get this sign off and then it has to go to market that there's a process for somebody in an entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial type of role within an organization to be innovative they don't want to do that, right? They want to move quickly. And so those two things, sometimes there's uh, there's a bit of friction. Yeah, it, it sounds to me like um, if, if your business had the capacity, and I think this does happen in large techs, you create a spin-off business where you put your entrepreneurial-minded uh, individuals, in- entrepreneurs, I think, is is the term yeah exactly so so it's somebody within a large scale in- enterprise you're effectively you're an intrapreneur because you're doing it within the organization to try and make the change happen internally if that makes sense yeah no it does how how common is that or is that a fad that's sort of been and gone is that still something <laughs> that big techs techs do 
They they do yes. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's it's one of those terms that if you're familiar with, people say, ah, I know what you mean. Um, but but not everybody is familiar with it. I, I don't think it is a fad because I think it is a good mechanism for actually making change and making innovation happen. But it's not easy to do, right? You can't just sort of create a department or create a team and say you're the innovation department. You are now all entrepreneurs because you need to enable them, right? Again, you need to sort of make sure that they have the capacity and the capabilities to do things differently you can't just say here's a room here's a whiteboard here's some apple uh, uh, apple max uh, and suddenly you're you're entrepreneurs in the sort of the standard environment it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that that's often what what people do you know we'll we'll get you a room we'll get you some bean bags and suddenly uh, you know we're going to turn ourselves into google <laughs> uh, that doesn't work no and um i'll have to apologize for those that are watching the podcast or listening to the audio. Um, I didn't mean to be flippant by using the word fat. I just couldn't find the right word. Look, I'm, I'm I, I don't have your level of grey matter there, Neil. So you'll have to excuse me for a couple of stuff ups along the way. Um, now I, I, I just want to go back a little bit, if we can. I think that friction within, um, uh, you know, traditionally structured organisations and having that entrepreneurial, um element in the business yeah can can um potentially cause some friction i i guess it's um for businesses moving on post covid and what we've learned as in as leaders from that process is that you know maybe we do need to foster more environments where people can make mistakes and challenge themselves because one thing that i've found from talking to many of those with an entrepreneurial bent or those that are at their core entrepreneurs and they won't be anything else is mistake making and stuffing things up is part a critical part of the process while you're trying to get it right um creating those uh and i hate using the word but the, that safe space to be able to play and and use your creative the creative get the creative juices going is something you'd want to see happen. But I, I think I understand why it would grate with some organisation because if it's not part of the cultural norm in the business, I think it would be hard to get that to inculcate across different levels. And and it speaks to what kind of leadership do, do businesses have? Do they want to foster innovation at all levels in the business? Is it just for the senior mm. executives to be the innovators? And I, I would suggest to you as a um, well, this is a no-brainer. If you've got 30, 40, 50, 100 people in the business, that's 100 sets of brains that could help tackle a difficult problem. But um, now whether or not we we maximise the the grey matter that we've got in our businesses is a whole other podcast. And I, I think it's, <laughs> potentially, it's potentially underdone. Would you? What would your view on that be, Neil? Yeah, look, I, I love what you said in terms of the, the risk thing. I think that's that's incredibly important when you when you come to innovation because you, you're trying something new, right? You're trying something different, and even if you're taking something which has been proven in a different area of the world or a different industry or even actually part of your business which is elsewhere and you're trying it in years it doesn't mean it's going to work right so, so obviously there's like anything there's a spectrum with innovation right you might be doing something which is like way 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 out there or you might actually be doing something which is for, for you quite innovative right and so so therefore there's there's risk in, involved but i think that safe space is really important 
But why most people don't like risk is because, you know, failure is, is, a, is a bad thing. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say failure is great. And I definitely don't sub subscribe to the um, of the, the sort of Silicon Valley. Let's move fast and, and break things. But the, the only way to learn is to try. And so to, to try new things, you typically are going to make mistakes along the way, or certainly it's not going to be absolutely bang on the, the first time that you that you try it. But the reason why a lot of people don't like sort of taking those risks is because of the way that they're measured and the way that they're managed. Right. So, so things like service level agreements or sales targets or things like that, you know, how we actually manage our people. Again, it's a cultural thing that we're speaking about in terms of innovation and transformation. Right. So if you say to somebody at the end of the week or the month of the year, you know, this is what I expect you to do. That will drive the behaviors of those people. And then if you suddenly ask them to do something different. And um, then that sometimes is is a little bit challenging, especially if you only ask one small team or one small department to be innovative. But again, those other supporting departments, you know, such as procurement, um, you know, if, if they're not set up to be able to, to drive all that, then what you actually end up with is, is what I call innovation theater, which is where basically, you know, you'll start up a little area of the business where you'll say, we're, we're doing innovation and, you know, they're going to sit over here. And like I say, they've got Macs and they've got beanbags and, and it's like brilliant. And you've got some smart people and you, you bring them in and then they find they can't get anything done. You know, so, so there's a little bit of sort of razzmatazz and jazz hands initially, and then it, the momentum gets lost because they, they can't get anything done. And then, as again, as I say, the apathy sets in, right? So, so it's not just about, you need to do it completely soup to nuts. And again, it's a, it's a cultural shift. You don't just install innovation, I'm afraid. So you you threw the grenade and I'm, I'm going, I'm going to ask you about this around Silicon <laughs> Valley. Now I, 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 I watch too much TV. I listen to too much. Um, uh, I get on YouTube too way way too much, and I, I do try to follow what uh, Silicon Valley is about. And that, um, what why is it so different in the US? And one thing, and and this is good because this is all around leadership and understanding of culture. I think culture plays out at the business level, at the national level, and then at that that trends national level and i would ask you um maybe i'm being biased here or definitely showing my um lack of knowledge around this but is is the following statement some degree of 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 true the innovation culture and the people that drive it in australia are qualitatively different to the americans for a couple of different reasons and and you pointed out one about the rush to innovate in the US is it because in the US and I'm not I'm not putting a value judgment on this I'm just trying mm. to create categories because that's how my mind works on something like this because I'm trying to understand it is is the entrepreneurial culture valued in a different way in the US context than it is in Australia or potentially Europe you know South America Africa is is there a difference and what do you think that looks like? Well, why is there a difference? Uh, I think I'm trying to ask. Mm, I think that there absolutely is uh, a difference. And that's, you know, what we're speaking about here is something that's far more macro. So I think there's, you know, if, if without sort of getting too, um, it's too sort of widespread on it. You know, if you think the whole American dream thing in terms of you can take a risk, you can have your, uh, you know, your future in, in your own hands, you can build something yourself. 
And so, you know, obviously that that's a, we're always speaking in generalizations here, right? Um, you know, one of the things about about Australians is that you know nobody likes somebody that's kind of peacocking around and sort of saying how brilliant you are. And so, from an innovation spec perspective, that that comes into it. You know, where where I live in Asia, um, you know, often you you people don't say anything, right? So you can have like like a daily stand up or something like that, you know, in an innovation type setting, and you can say to people, you know, what what went well yesterday? Okay, you know, here's some good things. All right, what what can we do differently? How can we get better? Silence. Right. Or, or, you know, the, the, the boss speaks and so nobody else speaks. So, you know, the, there are and obviously, again, you know, all, all those three things are, are generalizations. But but there's definitely something in it in terms of how people are, are wired and what they are comfortable with. And I think that does sort of trickle down into in terms of, you know, how people how people operate and then what the end results of that actually are. Yeah, I, I, it it seems intuitively that that would be the case, but um, I think from the Australian context, the word entrepreneur has some baggage attached, mm -hmm. and, and I'm showing my age here, but going back to Christopher Scase and a few entrepreneurs that were um, really uh, beefed up by the media and then when things went to poo and they ran away from the country to non-extradition countries that we realize that that maybe there's there's a there's a downside to entrepreneurialism and i think maybe that blurred the lines between is innovation solely the playground of the entrepreneurs and i, I don't think it is i i think there's many shades no. of where it can come from but I, I, this is just a perception thing but you know I, I think we're in furious agreement that it's important to be um fostering innovation but from that leadership context, it's definitely in how your business is structured. If you've got a silo being innovative um, and pushing innovation and that's not um, progressed through the structures of the business, you're going to have some real difficulties in getting anything done. And it stands to reason then that if you get bored or frustrated key people, they're going to walk to somewhere where this is going to be the norm and in the current um, employment uh, environment, particularly in Australia, we don't want to be losing good people to other businesses because the cost of replacing them is just becoming nightmarishly difficult. And I think it just creates more work for recruitment agencies who know that this is going to be happening more and more if, if businesses don't get their, their proverbial shit together. So now I, yeah, mate, uh, we could, we could go down the rabbit hole of, um, <laughs> of the entrepreneurs and and culture but i think the points that you made are, are very well made let me ask you something neil um from the perspective of just bring you back to leadership specifically and innovation are leaders the source of innovation are they enablers of innovation or some combination of the two or have i got it bloody wrong completely <laughs> no, I think you're bang on. And I think the answer is is yes. I think, you know, it needs it needs to be both. So I think, you know, to, to display leadership, you need to say, look, you know, come with me, follow me, you know, this is where this is where we're, we're going to go. And then you also need to be able to have the have the plums to make that happen so to your earlier point you know that the leaders can say you know we're going to be more innovative we're going to disrupt we're going to change we're going to morph 
And again, the people that are, that are you know several rungs down in that business, and it doesn't matter whether you have a hundred people or whether you've got a hundred thousand people. It's about well, okay, well, what is, what does that mean in actuality? How what are the mechanics of that? Uh, and so you as a leader need to be able to say right. So again, we've got the vision, we've got the strategy, we've got the target, but what actually therefore needs to change, right? And so you need to be able to say you know that this this is what I want to do, and you know typically. It's about what do I want to, to stop doing? What's what's painful or what's inefficient? Or, or what do I actually want to do in terms of a, an aspiration? And I think you need to be clear from a business standpoint, what are those things? And then you sort of apply a digital and technology lens on top of that with innovation to say, okay, how might we actually get there? What, what, what are the options? And then, and then just, you need to start, you need to start small. We try stuff that didn't work. We course correct, right? We pivot, we try something else. Um, you know, don't, don't hold on to a problem because you spent a long time making it. Um, you know, it's one of the things, pieces of advice I, I always say, right? You, you need to be able to say, scrub it, quit it. You know, that, that, that one didn't work. What do we learn from it? How do we make a, a better, more informed decision, uh, you know, the next time around? Yeah, that that's good advice for anyone listening that's trying to grapple with this and I, I think the innovation issue is not um is not owned by any one industry um and I think government as well I mean as, as much as government is is mm -hmm. assumed to be not a place for innovation it's definitely an enabler of innovation if it gets its proverbial stuff together and, and is prepared to engage on what does what do you need what does the infrastructure of innovation look like and that again is a whole nother uh, discussion we can have and we will come back to a lot of these because we're only touching this at that macro level so there's a lot more to talk about mm. neil but let me bring you back to um you know the innovation paradox and the role of leadership now as a way to orient those that are watching the video or listening to the podcast just a bit of a, a definition around this and and i'll i'll unpack this a bit and see what you think the notion of innovation productivity paradox refers to a coexistence of existing new tech innovations and the example are AI, digitization, machine learning, robotics as examples and declining productivity rates in 21st century OECD um, economies. Let's unpack that a bit. So is the paradox a real thing in, from your experience and how are businesses engaging with it or are we not? engaging with it and hope that that it's not going to be an issue for us <laughs> it, it, i think the answer is it depends the, the paradox definitely is, is a thing for for sure and again you know you, you speak to sort of senior business leaders and everybody sort of recognizes we you know we need to be at least looking at these things right so you know we, we want to do things with ai because it's, it's the power and the value that that will unlock and it will make our people more efficient and we want to move them up the value chain and all these types of things it, it all sounds great right you know the sales pitch is, is very very compelling but actually doing that in actuality can be can be quite challenging and i think you know, I, I certainly have regular conversations where people are saying you know we we want to do something innovative we want to do something different Okay, that that's great. So we sort of, you know, we, we kick it around, we come up with some ideas, and, and quite often people look at it and go, "Well, you know, that that sounds great. Um, could be risky. Oh, it could be expensive. Um, can you tell me who else has done this? 
so that is very much a paradox, right? You know, so it's a case of, you know, we want to be bleeding edge. We want to get that competitive advantage. Um, but, you know, people are sometimes then, you know, when, when you begin to talk about this is what it's going to take in terms of your people and time and cost and risk, then, you know, a little bit of uh a bit, little bit of movement in the chair where people are, are, are less comfortable with that. And look, you don't always have to be first mover advantage, right? So, you know, somebody, somebody like Apple, which everybody always goes, oh, we want to be like Apple. We want to be innovative. But, you know, the iPhone wasn't the first touchscreen mobile phone, right? So, so, so the, these, these types of things, um, you know, you don't always have to be, have to be first, but it needs to come back to first principles from a business standpoint in terms of what are you trying to do? Uh, and I use uh, a question I use all the time. And I say to people, what does good look like? And you need to be able to answer that in, in simple terms, in business terms, you go, right. And then you can write that down and like stick it on the wall and say, that's what we're trying to get to. And then let's, let's actually unpack that. Let's break that down and look at what some of the options are to actually maybe get, get us there. And look, sometimes with, it's not about just doing the technology for, for the sake of it. You know, other conversations I have is that people come along and say, oh, we want to do something with, you know, this particular technology. And I'll say, well, that's very exciting. What, what do you want to do? And then there's a bit of an awkward pause and then they sort of blink a few times and they say, well, we were hoping that, that you could tell us that. And then it's a hammer looking for a nail, right? You know, you, you don't, unfortunately, again, you don't install innovation and people such as myself, we don't, you know, I often say that, that digital and innovation is, it's not an ingredient, right? It's not MSG and I don't carry it around with me in a trailer that I can come along and say, yes, certainly you'd like some digital innovation. Certainly, madam. Uh, would you like a teaspoon or would you like a tablespoon? You know, you, you don't just sort of add it to, to things. It's not an additive because again, it's about culture. It's about people. The, the actual tech in and of itself is just the mechanism to make it happen yeah i, I was <laughs> wow i've got a million questions <laughs> running around in my head but one one that sticks out here is um and one that that i've seen happen before and then you brought it up here and I, I thought i might unpack it a little bit if we can is that companies uh bigger businesses i would say and and governments often look for someone to give them the silver bullet or at least give them the formula to find that that silver bullet to fix some wicked problems we've got. And I think at times uh, they miss the point that um, you, if if you know what your end point is, what your goal is, your, your why, whether that's in business or in government, then mm. you work back from that and you see what are the resources needed to move ahead. And it, it, yeah. It for me, it brings up this connection with, and I don't think I'm drawing too long a bow here, with with some leadership capabilities around foresight and strategic thinking, like be able to get a pathway to your goal, understand what the good and the bad, and the ugly of that journey is going to look like, and then um, looking at potential possible futures and thinking, well, we can come up with a million possible futures, but which are the ones that are realizable? And which are the ones that are higher risk? And typically, it's those higher risk ones that you want to play with if you can, if you're trying to look for innovation. Whereas um, what I don't hear in the discussion from the leaders that I've spoken to, and maybe it's because it, you're not consciously thinking about this, is are you tr truly playing in the innovation space or are you trying to be innovative with processes and products or services that already mm -hmm. exist are you adding to what's there which 
I I believe is a that's the thinner end of the wedge if you're talking about something new or fixing a gap in a problem or fixing that problem versus coming in with a solution that no one else has come up yes. with. Is does that does that ring true for you, Neil? It, it does. Yes, it, it very much resonates. And, and look, I think incremental innovation is is perfectly acceptable, right? You know, it's 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 lower risk, and actually, as long as you know you or your customers or your stakeholders are deriving value from that then you know that that's okay you know good, good on you and at least gives you something something to build from and look even when i have conversations with with people and they say look we want to do something in this frankly just to have a bit of good pr you know it's a little bit of it's a little bit of jazz hands and we want to kind of do something and then but we're not actually going to use it afterwards probably uh, and, and we're going to bin it I actually don't mind that as long as people are upfront about it. I think it's when they they try and say, you know, we want to do something that's just going to be seismic. You know, we're going to move the techno the tectonic plates of the business. They're not actually because you, you can just tell that they're they're not they're not in it for the for the long haul. And you know, I, I think you're you're right that you know a lot of the time. Um, you know, people just just want to they want to do something. They want something sort of snazzy and whizzy because they've read something in Fortune or Forbes or Harvard Business Review or The Economist. And they're like, I want one of those. It's a shiny, sexy trinket. Give me some of that action. And, and look, again, I think that's OK. But let's just have a an adult conversation about what that actually means. You know, what what, what are we investing in? What are we trying to do again? What does what does good look like? And you know, to, to do to do real change, to do real innovation, it, it's a little bit like climbing a cliff, right? You know, it takes skill, it's hard, it's risky. Any fool can jump off a cliff, but climbing one is a different paradigm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hundred percent agree. Look, Neil, before we go, and just a final thought from you, if I can uh, push the friendship a little, is. In terms of what leaders need in their toolkit to be more effective around innovation, what would you suggest to um, emerging, existing, and and um, would be leaders of the future? I guess uh, what what do they need in that toolkit to really engage with innovation from your perspective, mate? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think you you touched upon it a little bit earlier is that looking forward and looking at what you know the, the future might look at looking at these options there's no risk in that there's no risk in that at all and look do nothing is is always an option but i think you know looking looking outside looking further down the track I, i'd encourage any, any any leader to to do that right you know you really do and also don't don't just think about your own domain and whether that's your geographic domain or your industry or something like that that there's certain industries i work with that are just very very nasal navel glazing right you know the very inward looking and you know we're special and you know and i'm not saying for example that something from aerospace is going to work in insurance but you can at least look at that and just say well look, that's interesting uh, you know what what can we learn from that and you know the actual the middle part of the van might be very thin but i think it's interesting and you know and get an external pair of eyes get somebody to sort of to, to come in and help you look at things because they will see things that that you won't especially if you've been in the business for for quite some time you know the people just come in and and gently at least initially uh you know sort of sort of poke some holes right you know why do you do things like that and when you when you get the answer of oh we couldn't possibly do that or that can't be changed well well why not or, or let's let's just assume that if it if it could be changed what would that mean what would that look like you know get somebody to kind of come in and, and really really challenge your thinking i think is is something that you always you always want to have i think that's valuable 
Yeah, I could not agree more. I guess what you're alluding to and, and something that I keep coming back to in the conversations I'm having, Neil, is you really do need introspective, reflective leader to be thinking about what innovation means. You need a bit of breathing space to think on all of those things that you mentioned. The The goal is important, but I think the journey to get to the goal is probably more critical because there's more things that could go wrong like the end point is great but it's it's in that journey that um we need to be thinking a lot more and, and look up neil i appreciate the this initial discussion i think if with your permission I'll, I'll reach out again and maybe we get into the weeds a little bit more with some of the topics that we've brought up today if you're um, up for the discussion mate Certainly. Yeah, Luke, thank you for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure and I'd love to have another discussion about some of these very interesting topics. No worries, Neil. So if people want to get in touch with you to talk tech um, innovation, what, what, how can they best get in touch with you, mate? Yeah, thank you. So my company is uh, it's called Future Horizon. You can go to futurehorizon, all one word, dot digital, and you can connect with me there. Uh, also on LinkedIn and uh, the usual sort of channels. I've been speaking with Neil Mann. Thanks again to Neil for sharing his views on leadership and innovation. As always, thank you for following the podcast. Please drop a like if you enjoyed the content or if you can, please subscribe to help me grow the channel. Have a great week, look after yourselves and we'll catch everyone on the next episode of Talking Leadership TV.